are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, if you will. In 1 Peter chapter number 5, I think I'm right. (laughs) And in Revelation chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 5, let's read just a few verses. The elders, Peter said, the elders which are among you, he said, I exhort. You got it there? That's That's in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 5. You got it? Okay. Dr. Hiles used to say, you know, people get flipping. I thought I might have told you some other book. <laughs> I remember Dr. Hiles preached for us and he said, people just get flipping. He said, if I were you, and I hadn't found it by now, I'd just stop right there. <laughs> Notice what he said. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Now, we know that Peter was living when Jesus died on the cross. All right. And also I'm a partaker of the glory which that shall be revealed. Now that's something we ought to keep in mind all the time. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered the heart of a man the good things God hath prepared for them that love him. So I think that that'll encourage us, you see. Keep up. Now notice he said, now notice what he said for us to do in verse 2. He said, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, not for money, you see, but of a ready mind. And look at this verse, neither as being lords over God's heritage. You know, pastors, let me say, We shouldn't get the big head. We ought to be grateful to God. We're not smart. Let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. God can put his wisdom in whoever he wants to. He spoke to a donkey one day. And that helped me when I read that one day. And so it's it's where we've been placed that God speaks. And what he says here, we are to be examples to the flock. Not just Preaching, but practicing, practicing. And that's very important. So he talks about these things. Now, maybe this don't connect with you, but it does to me over here in Revelation chapter 3. Now listen, I want to just read one verse. But most of you know, John was on the Isle of Patmos for his stand. And the Lord spoke to him and gave him the book of Revelation. In that first chapter, he said, I want you to write about three things. I want you to write, John, what you see, and he did in the first chapter. He seen the glorified Christ here. Remember, he fell at his feet. And he said, and write that which you've seen, that write that which is now. And that was the seven churches of Asia, symbolic to our church age today. And then you remember the last, and write that which is hereafter. And then that's fourth chapter is when he called him up, you know, and showed him things which should be hereafter. But we see these seven churches and we talk about them and some things in them and compare them today. But now you just, I'll just read one verse there. Notice in the third chapter. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. 
I know thy works, that you've got a name, you live, but notice, but are dead. But are dead. Folks, I want to talk about three things that I believe that will keep a church alive. Now, sometimes we, we get in our mind, unless, unless you're running hundreds or thousands, you're not alive. That's not so. Every local church is not going to be a large church. God's going to bless or God's going to reward for faithfulness. There may be some little man up here on the mountains and he's faithful to win souls and he may be running 75 or 100 and can't reach anymore. And you and I would look at that as nothing but another church, two or three thousand. That's not the way to look at it. That's not the way to look at it. We are to be faithful. And, uh, and, and, and I see churches dying, large churches, small churches dying all over the country. And I, I'm going to refer to some of these things this morning, not a critical, but to help you and I, you know, uh, to help you and I along the way. I, I've seen it happen so much. And in our area, we've got some good churches. Uh, well, John White here, about 10 miles from me. I didn't know John was here. Right over here, got a good church. And I was so thrilled. Their pastor resigned and John came. And, and that's not like it is everywhere, but he's carrying on the work. Uh, still standing for old time religion. Been there now for I appreciate that. And I guess that's one reason. I'm not the only one. God knows that. But I believe God has left me here uh, to be what I ought to be for the glory of God. Some people say sometime, Brother Bobby, when are you going to retire? I don't know. You'll have to talk to God about that. I, I don't have any intentions. I may drop dead tomorrow. I may not be able to go. But I've only been pastor gospel like 58 years now. And I have no intention of stopping. God strengthened and touched me uh, through a couple of cancers and so on. And I just want to be where he wants me to be. That's what I'm trying to say. And that, that's don't pat me on the back for 58 years. Uh, just wait till I get 100 years, and then you can. I plan on, I plan on pastoring until I'm 100, and then I'm going into evangelism the rest of my life. Amen. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, folks, as you get older, I've been trying to preach. I got saved at 17. God began to deal with me to preach. And, and I got scared. I so I couldn't stand up before five people, scared to death. And God kept working and working and working on me. And I got to the place I was afraid He's going to kill me if I didn't surrender. And I was afraid I was going to die if I did. I got an awful shame. And I was 17 when I got saved. And 19, I went down an old patch of woods one. One afternoon after I come in from work, I was working eight hours a day. And my wife knew I was going through such a time. And I got out on my face in those woods. September 1950. I, I was saved October 24, 1948. And I got out on my knees or on my stomach and squalled and said, God, I don't know how, but I can't live like this. And got up and blessed God is like getting saved all over. That burden was gone. I wasn't looking for a church or anything like that. I just want to do God's will. And then the first thing you know, Gospelite Baptist Church. I remember when it was started, three miles from my home church. And the man was a good man that started the church. He left after seven years, went into evangelism. One night I come in from work and uh, running that time about 10 hours a day. I was eating supper. 
dinner to you city people, but supper to us. I was eating supper. And uh, some men knocked on my door. And they said, did you hear about our preacher leaving? I said, yes. I preached a couple times for him. And he said, we believe the Holy Spirit's leading for you to be our preacher. You don't hear much of that anymore. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not against your resumes. I don't think you're worth a dime, but that's your business. Uh, we need to get back to leadership of the Holy Spirit. And those fellas said, and I, it shook me up. I was pastor of a little church 12, 15 miles away. Had been there for a year. And I said, fellas, I don't think God wants me to leave. I, I said, well, he said, we don't expect you to tell us now. We said, you pray and we pray. We're tr- trusting the Holy Spirit. We'll talk to you later. And pulled off and left me. And, uh, and, and then I won't go into all of that, how God led uh, for me to be the pastor there. But, but uh, through the years, and I've been trying to preach 64 years this past, uh, this past uh, September. I'll be 60, and, and this is what I'm trying to I've seen things change, folks. And, and this is my burden. This is my burden. Is, is we've got some young preachers here. And we got to have kind of hooking on to what might. we got to have some mental stand. And Dr. Lee Robertson, I thank God for his ministry. His name was spelt like mine, but, but no relation. He's about 400 miles from me. Dr. Robertson used to say everything falls and rises on leadership. And he's right. He's right. I mean, I mean, that doesn't mean the leader's great. I mean, that's what God uses. You look at Moses. God called Moses as a leader. God called Abraham as a leader and so on. And God wants us who are leaders to stand and follow what this book says. Now, for instance, let me go back here quickly and mention. I was thinking about this. Back in 1968, I took my first my first airplane ride. I remember. There's a fellow named Bill, Billy Griffin who was a great missionary in Brazil for 30-some years. <clears throat> Billy had come home. Our church supported him. He came home for, for furlough, and it was a church right out of Chicago. Just uh, best I remember, 30, 40 miles. It was about to close. And they had asked him if he would fill in for a while. And he asked me to come up there and preach a meeting. <clears throat> so I flew into Chicago. He met me at the airport. Now, we're on Monday. And uh, he said, Brother Bobby, he said, I went to the Moody School back in the 40s. And he said, I used to go to Moody Church. And I have been over in years. we got time. Would you like? I'd heard of Moody Church. Would you like to ride over? And I said, yes. And, and we went in. We didn't see anyone around. So he, we walked on in, you know, and he was showing me Dr. Harry Ironsides was a pastor. I think it's in 46, 48, somewhere like that. And it was a pastor, he said, when I was attending church here. He said, I went to school but attend here. But he started telling me a story. And we was on the platform, and he said, Dr. Harry Ironsides used to sit here, and so on here and here and here. And he said, Brother Bobby is amazing. If I'm not mistaken... He said that thing seated 4,200. And he said it was full with chairs every Sunday. And he said, I don't remember. He was there, I think, four years. And he said, I don't remember. Under about 20 people coming down those aisles around the altar to get saved every Sunday. Now, wait a minute. Now, he's telling me this. We're standing in the auditorium. 
and a lady walked in, and she said, could I help you folks? And uh, he, we, she was a secretary, but we didn't see her come in. We told her, he told her who we were, and this was Fran Isner went on talk. And said, so I used to come here when uh, Dr. Ironside back in the 40s. And uh, in front right here was a little place roped off. And I said, ma'am, I said, what, uh, what, what's this for? And she said, oh, that's our Sunday evening service. And uh, I said, how many folks do you have? And she said, we had a, this is Monday. She said, we had a good crowd last night. We had about 200. And, uh, and, and uh, I said, well, how many folks do you have on Sunday? And she said, oh, we've grown tremendously in the last uh, two or three years. And she told who the preacher was. I don't know him. And she said, we run 600 now. Now, now don't misunderstand me. But I stood there and thought, not to talk to about the Lord, but I thought, Lord, there's something happened to the years here. There's something happened to the years here. Now, I don't know a thing about that church now. Not a thing. But I got to thinking about that. There's something happened there. I used to hear Dr. Beach at Vic, yeah. pastor of Detroit Baptist Temple. I used to, a young preacher, I used to follow where he was preaching in conferences. I, I attended the Detroit Baptist Temple. I can remember, I can remember. Uh, on on the on the Sunday school board somewhere and if the time I was there that week it had forty two hundred and something that Sunday. And let me tell you, I, I mean I never preached there or nothing like that, but I was preaching about fifty miles away in a little church and the pastor took me over there one Monday. Dr. Vick was meeting with his with his uh uh workers, his staff. And you know how he went about to get uh hire somebody? He would give them, he'd say to this feller, uh, do you want to do something for the Lord? Well, you can take this room here. And if that feller got out and knocked on doors and got an average of 150, I don't mean one Sunday, I don't know how long, but an average of 150, regularly, Dr. Vick would take him off his job and put him on. Put him on. He said, because he approved your work. That's pretty good, isn't it? I never know that before. But, uh, but wait a minute, folks. This is what I'm saying. The Detroit Baptist Temple is not there no more. Dr. Wally Beebe was with us in national bus conferences. And I hate to say this. I don't go here, but true. But he told me, some of his relatives, I'm not who it was. He said, Brother Bible's biggest liberal is a pastor there now. He come in one day. Brother Beebe's dead now, you know. Come in one day and he said, How would you feel? He said, If you had grandchildren, I've got four boys, I think it was, singing old rock music, calling it Christian music, with their hair on their shoulders. He said, That's my grandchildren. The name Baptist is not even there anymore. I'm just saying, folks, we've got to stand. That's what I'm trying to say. You've had R.J. Barber, uh, or not R.J., but Raymond Barber here. Raymond was raised 60 miles from me, and I know he was a pastor for years in Texas. The first time I ever, the first time I ever seen Lester Roloff in person, right after I came to Gospel Light, he was over 60 miles over there and from us in Danville, Virginia, and I took a. A load over there and heard Brother Roloff one night and got to see him. 
His daddy, R.J. Barber, was an old-fashioned Rip Snorton Baptist preacher, run hundreds, and was known as standing for something. You go by there today and there's no Baptist name on it. And it's, it's nothing but a boom, boom, bang, bang mess today. You see what I'm trying to say? You see what I'm trying to say? Dr. Jack Hudson was 100 miles from me. He used to preach for me, and I had to join preaching there several times. Great man of God, he's with the Lord now. Relocated, built a big, big bigger building, and all of that. We had, we had an elderly couple, they passed away a few years ago, moved. Now, we're 90 to 100 miles apart. Moved up in our area after retired to be able to come to our church. And this man says, I've been there for many years. He said, I've stood as long as I can. He said, Jack Hudson used to walk out on the platform on Sunday morning. His first, his, his favorite verse, this is a day the Lord hath made and we'll rejoice. Brother Trevor, this man told me, he said, you walk out on the platform and say, this is a day the Lord hath made. We'll rejoice. Now let's stand the same. This man told me, he said, now it's drifted in. We got big old drums everywhere. And them things starts beating that old rock stuff. And the man who was there at that time, I don't know who's there now or what. I think it's changed a few times. Said he'd come out, stress come as you are. He'd come out as you are and say, come on, let's get at it. And said they start swinging and the beating and the framing. And it's not a fundamental church no more there. I could go on and tell you many things this morning, friend. But as an older man, I get a burden. And it seemed like the Holy Spirit put on my heart that you young preachers, you be careful. I was talking to Clarence Sexton the other day. And he said, Brother Bobby, he said, it seemed like our preachers are jumping and jumping and jumping. And said, maybe that's one reason we have so many people jumping. Now, listen, I'm not saying you got to stay somewhere all the time. But preachers, let me remind you now, as long as everything's going good, you don't feel like leaving. But when things start going bad and your congregation starts, you've gotten fussing and fuming and they're crossed up and all that stuff, it's time to leave. No, it's not time to leave. We need somebody to stay. We stand and preach to people to stick in there in troubles. And yet many times we're ready to take off when trouble comes. When I was a young preacher, I used to talk to some older preachers trying to get advice. I think of Gene Goodman, one of the best preachers in North Carolina. He's with the Lord now. I said, Gene, I said, how you doing? Give me some advice. And I said, you've pastored several churches. And I'm not saying that's a sin. I'm just saying find leadership of the Lord. And I said, Gene, you pastored several churches. Give me some advice. He said, Brother Bobby, I started Lane Street Baptist Church in Kannapolis. Was there for 14 years. And there's some trouble boiling up in the church. And a church called me and said, we'd like to have you. And I took off running from that trouble. And he said, I got out of the will of God. I never forget that. I never forget that. I'm thinking of a man now, about 20 miles from me, his son is a member of our church. He moved there and joined about a year ago. 
And he, that preacher's a good friend of mine. And he, 12, 14, 15 years ago, he called me and he said, Brother Bobby, I said, can you, do you know of a church that's looking for a pastor? This is what he said. I've battled some people in this church for 15 years or however, and about to run me crazy. And I don't feel like God wants me to do it anymore. Do you know a church? I'm not smart. But let me tell you first thing come to my mind. I said his name is Paul. I said, Paul, do you reckon God's leading you away or them people's leading you away? He said, well, I never thought about it like that. And I said, well, listen. I said, I said you pray and I pray. I said, I said, you be careful. Cause, and I said, look at them sheep out there. They need somebody. If you got some goats, but they need, don't walk off and leave them. And if he said to me one time, he's told me ten times. Thank you for that good advice. About six months later, he said, praise God, preacher, that crowd's gone. <laughs> and wait a minute now, I don't know how many years that's been, but he just had his 35th year, I believe, as pastor there. Folks, we're going to run into it. That's what I'm saying. You know, it, it's pretty good to be dumb sometimes. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know what a constitution was when I went to gospel life. <laughs> I never heard of a constitution. And we had 153 in Sunday school. That first Sunday, I remember that very well. And God, but we was down in a little block building. We didn't have no baptistry. We'd go to a pond somewhere and baptize. You'd get out there, you know, get your stick and feel your way out so you make sure you won't get out in a hole somewhere. And then have a crew to follow, you know. And then you get your foot, you know, down in the down in the mud so you won't slide. I remember I was baptized a woman one time. She got to slide. I like to never stake her down. <laughs> Them's good old days. But God blessed that place and we began to have people saved every which way you turn. And we had no bus ministry then. And, and the little building wouldn't seat over 300. And we got up, I'm talking about in five years, we were running regularly, no bus ministry, between five and 600 all the time. And then I had a heart attack. I was 25, when, a little bit before 25 when I went there. And five years had passed. I had a heart attack at 29. It took me out of the pulpit on a Sunday morning. I was in the hospital for 21 days. And now, now listen, I'm telling you this to help somebody. And don't give me any credit. But while I was out, this crowd started fussing with that crowd. And they had brought out a little constitution. And they had in that thing that everybody was to be put in, was to be voted on every year, except the deacons. <laughs> and it was seven deacons. And you could never have no more, no less, because the Bible said seven. And I never heard of it till all that happened. And I was, I had a, I had a member who had built a little, uh, uh, Motel down there about five miles from the And the doctor said, you're going to have to rest every day, two or three hours. And we didn't have no air conditioning. But let me tell you, it takes a power of God. It don't take every. I mean, listen, we had benches, not pews, but benches. We made them in the, one of the men's basement. And if you didn't sound it right, you'd get pains. We, we, we didn't have, as the preacher said this morning, we didn't have carpet and all that. 
Man, it gets so hot in that place. You talk about you didn't perspire. You sweat, man. Just sweat like an old horse, you know, and keep preaching. And folks coming. Let me tell you, when the power of God's there, people's going to come to see, get the church on fire, and they'll come to see a burn, if nothing else, you see. And man, old sinners coming out in my eyes and getting saved and all that. But boom, all at once, it's over. And, and they voted every year. My family and I would go out. I was voting on the first eight or ten years every year where to stay or not. And, and I'm glad I didn't know no better. Because I'd have probably said, well, this thing not being set up and I'm going to leave. You know. But anyway, this is what I started to say right quick. Let me tell you this. And it went on like that. And then when I come in, come back and one of my deacons came to me, good men, and said, Preacher, we've got some trouble. They got a petition started around in the church trying to get a, a rotating deacon board. And you know our church is set up like this. Well, see, what happened, different ones and new ones would ask me, Well, how come they vote, vote on you? And, and don't, I said, I don't know, it just set up that way. And then that's when they brought out the Constitution and showed it to me. That thing boiled and boiled, and I had one of the stingingest business meetings. I called them all together and got to fussing, and phew, I hate business meetings. And finally, one of those deacons come to me, or two of them, and said, Is this the only thing you do? Get up and tell the people if they don't like the way this place is set up, leave. I couldn't bring myself to that. And, and, I, and I was sick. I had a nervous breakdown over the thing. Hated the pulpit. I thought, God don't want a man to preach when you can't stand to preach here. Well, I mean, you can get in some places and blame it on God if we're not careful. But I, I remember this. I remember that I, I kind of come to the place and I said, fellas, I can't do Who is this crowd? I don't know who they are. Some of them new ones don't like. I said, uh, I'll tell you what we'll do. I said, we'll get us some little index cards, and we'll put them out in church, and you can put yes or no. If you feel like we want to have a rotating board, you put yes. If you don't, no. And I said, then we'll let the majority rule. When I did, they moved out down the road five miles of starting my church. And when you got five, five fifty, sometimes six hundred, and next Sunday you got two fifty, three hundred, that knocks the glory out of you. But please don't give me any credit. God kept me in there. If you ever come to our new building, it's built on the order. This one, downstairs, we have a little small auditorium, and it's called the Harold B. Seitler Auditorium. Dr. Harold Seitler, and you folks out here have heard of him. He pastored 200 miles from me, and he preached for me in meetings, and he preached all around. And I went and talked to him. I, I, I was so sick. Oh, I was just so sick. Lost a lot of weight, didn't want anything to eat. I was in such a shape. And I said, Dr. Seidler, I guess I'm going to have to leave. I, no, you're not, the deep voice. God's grace sufficient. And I said, but Doc, I said, I, and I, I don't care. You stand still. And I said, man, had folks saved every Sunday, and all I can hear is about the crowd down the road. He said, stand still, son. God's grace is sufficient. We named that after him. God used him to help me to stand still. By the grace of God, I, I very seldom had anybody saved. All the guitar. Listen, folks, I got in such a shape until when I'd walk in a restaurant and you had your head stuck with somebody else over young, I'd say they're talking about me. 
I mean, getting awful shape, but I'm just telling you, God brought me through that. That thing went on for about three years, and heaven opened up, and God's been blessing every since, my friend. That's what I'm, and that's been 50 years ago. I'd have missed God's will if I'd have left. You understand? And they may have got a man carried on. I don't know about that. And there's not a pastor anywhere has any more liberty than I do at Gospel Light Baptist Church. That's right. I mean, they think if I set up, stand up and say, this is going to be, they think it's from God every time. That's right. You say you never, no, I'm just saying this. I'm just saying that we've got to stand as leaders. That's what I'm trying to say. Like Dr. Lee Robertson. I think of Highland Park, Tennessee Temple. I, I used to get his evangelistic paper that had 10,000 Sunday school. Art DeMoss was a great, uh, uh, he, he was an insurance man, got real rich. He died sudden with a heart attack. He had $12 million wheeled to Highland Park, Tennessee Temple. He had $12 million uh, also to Jerry Falwell in Liberty. Dr. Robertson retired from the church when he was 74. He told his people, he said, now listen. He said, he said, told the leaders, he said, you, back then interest was really going, I guess. I, he said, don't spend that. Keep that $12 million and get that interest to run, help run the school and so on. $12 million. That's a lot of money. It's gone bankrupt now. There's no Tennessee temple. There's no Highland Rock. Dr. G.R. Faulkner, what a man of God he was. Would never talk about anybody. He was associate to Dr. Robertson. And they had two or three pastors, so I'm not bragging. Not, but Dr. Faulkner told me one day, he said, Brother Bobby, said, Dr. Robertson, and I'm not talking about the college now. I'm talking about everything. He said, Dr. Robertson, he said, I never remember him having over Never remember having over nine people paying on the church staff. And he said, right now, we've, we're paying 56 people. That's the way it started, brother. You see, let me tell you this. I'm going to tell you this first. Over 50 years ago, Bill Rice Sr. Now, not many of you folks ever heard of him. He is John R. Rice's brother, half-brother. Bill, I'm not talking about Junior and the third and all, but the older man. It's been over 50 years he preached to a bunch of us preachers. Now let me tell you something he said. He said, fellas, there's three things you keep straight because the devil will really work on these three things. Keep your doctrine straight. And he stretched that. Keep your doctrine straight. You got these crowd go off on hyper-Calvinism and everything else. You got them on trying listen, you don't have to argue about, well, we're studying on this translation. That baloney. There's nothing wrong with the King James Version. I've been trying to preach it for 64 years and ain't found nothing wrong yet. And it works, my friend. And when something works, don't try to find something else. Don't pay no attention to that poor ignorant crowd. Just lay them aside. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. But now listen, what I started to say is that 
I think I'm starting to say it all, but what I'm starting to say is this. That we, we, we need to, we need to stick. And Dr. Robertson done that very same thing. He did. And, and, and we need to. So I'm saying just, just, just stick. Oh yes, doctrine. Doctrine, Bill Rice said doctrine and man, and finance. And you know the book of Timothy tells us. Finance, this, this is not only for us leaders, it's also in the homes too. We got gangs of young people in our, I've got, hmm, some of them may be listening at me tonight, today. Hey, by the way, I got 10 grandchildren and 24 great grandchildren. So, but I've got some, if they got a million dollars today, they need another million next week. That's the truth. What do you do? Preacher, go to school. No, I'll just use some common horse sense. If you can't afford it, don't get it. Just cut out some fat. Preacher, God didn't call you. Listen, if you need somebody in that church to help you, all right. But God didn't call you to try to build some big staff and sit back and designate God delivers from that stuff. Oh, I know you need time to study the Word of God. But God called every one of us to get out there and win souls and, and go after people and love people, my friend. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. But listen. Let me give you those things right quick here. I'm going to have to quit in a few minutes. And I just got started. Now listen. Now wait a minute. Listen. He said, Dr. Bob Rice, Bill Rice, he said, finance, your doctrine, and the opposite sex. Now you think of those. That's great wisdom. And if you'll notice, when a man falls, and it could be me as much as him, some great men have failed because of the opposite sex. And I will tell you this, you know, it's wonderful when you get old and you remember more because you've been around later. And I'm not that old. But let me tell you, let me tell you, I heard Dr. Bill preaching one night uh, about Trevor one day, and he said I was in a tent meeting, and people come down the aisle to get right with the Lord. And he said there was a woman knelt over here and said, I walked on and spoke to her and she said, listen, I live here in my apartment. So, so here's my key. Come by and see me after you leave here. Bill Rice said, I got up and said, here's the key. This is the devil right here. <laughs> he said, I rebuked her right there in public. But those are three things. Keep in mind. Keep straight on your doctrine, soul winning, preaching the book, standing for the word of God. You know, and listen, you can look at some of this crowd. Now, they can get crowd. Old Jim Jones had a crowd for, you know, about 900. Some of them died. I believe that was his name. I mean, you can get a crowd out here in the world. That's not the point. If we've got to compromise the word of God to get the crowd, you stick with the word of God. That's what I'm trying to say. You do that. God will give you some people to preach with. And then those three things, you keep that in mind. Now keep that in mind. Thank you, Tony. Now listen, let me say this. Let me say this quickly. I believe there's three things, and I got about five minutes. I believe there's three things that God wants to use. And I've touched on one of them is leadership. Leadership. Now what should we do? You know what Paul told Timothy, you remember? He told him, now you take care of the house of God. You remember that? In the book of Timothy. All right, now listen. Here's something. We need to seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Folks, there's things that will work at gospel light. It won't work right here. 
And we need, and, and there's, there's safety in multitude of counselors, but to get all we can, but the bottom line is seek the lead. The Holy Spirit will lead us according to the Word of God. And He will, you know. And seek the Holy Spirit. If you seek the Holy Spirit's leadership, you won't be out here in this contemporary stuff. You remember in John chapter 4, that Samaritan woman told Jesus, we know y'all worship in Jerusalem, but we worship over here tonight. And he said to the woman, the time has come. It's not over there at Jerusalem, but God's a spirit. And listen, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God didn't say, God didn't say, that the young people worship him different from the old people. No, God didn't say that. These early contemporary services where the young people come as you are. My poor wife, she talks about, she said, Daddy, if the Lord don't come back, our grandmothers. Brother Mike talked about this. My grandmothers will never know what the truth is. And let me tell you, friend, and you got a bus minister, you bring in all kinds of looking people as far as that goes. But let me tell you, when you get to the place, you stress, just come as you are, come as you are. If the Lord don't come back, you think about how much respect's going to be to the house of God in the next generation. That's what I'm talking about. You don't come as you are. Seen a preacher a few months ago over there in the hospital, independent Baptist preacher, visited him with an old pair of Bermuda shorts on and flip-flops. God deliver us. I told my wife the other day, I, I, I'm like the other preacher. I like sports, but I never take time. But if you let me see a basketball team, if I happen to see one, I want I want to see it go, but I don't keep up with them. Don't have, but that's not the point. But I told my wife, I said, you know, these coaches have more respect and they dress nicer than these Baptist preachers do I hear today. Boy, I go into the hospitals, visiting there in Western Salem, and, and, and you got some of them there. They, God deliver us. There's no glory in that. Now, if they don't have a suit, I'll hit by them one, bless God. Look, and that's not, that's not sticking yourself up. That's the ministry. You don't have to go out yonder and dress like the world to win. You go out yonder and get drunk because, so, so you can get another man saved. No, you don't do that stuff. No, that's not what I'm talking about. And I'm just saying that we need leadership, be led to the Holy Spirit. And oh, if there's anybody needs God's wisdom, we do. In James 1, 5, I run up against things every day. I don't know what to do about it, but he knows. And if I can find his leadership, it'll work out every time. We need to be led, and we need to keep a vision before us all the time. All the time. Keep that vision before you. Without a vision, men perish. People's laws. Listen, listen to me, preachers. I've seen people go in and said, I got such a vision, I got such a burden for such and such place. And then later, that some of them will say, Well, I've lost my burden. You know what's the matter? They've lost their vision. That's what I'm talking about. And, and, and I'm saying, there was a man named Russ Hill. He founded the Rainbow Vacuum Cleaner from Kentucky. I've got a man in my church that's retired, and he's been in that business for 50-some years. He knew this fellow, Russ Hill. And Russ Hill asked his pastor if he had a little room he wanted to get out and win some people to the Lord and had to teach Sunday school and he did he got another room and he did and he didn't have one big enough and Russ Hill I can't remember what part of Kentucky it don't matter but Russ Hill asked him that the church owned a, a lot over here and, and they let him put out 
uh, put, laid a, slim, a, a cement and, and put a metal building over to see the thousand. And for years, Russ Hill taught a thousand people in Sunday school because he had a vision to reach them. And brother, we need that vision. Men's lost and going to hell by the multitudes. And we need that vision. So I'm just saying those are important as leadership. And then love. That's my second point. Let me give it to you. Oh, how we need to love one another. Love. Love. You remember what old John said when he met Jesus one day? And he said, Jesus, uh, I, I met a man and he's casting out devils, but he wouldn't put our little crown. I didn't bid him God. And Jesus said, wait a minute here. If he's for us, he can't be against us. You remember on another occasion when James and John's mother come to Jesus and said, you're talking about coming into the kingdom. How about my boys? One sitting on one side, the closest one. That's not real love. First Corinthians 13 says, love envious not. Yeah, love is long suffering. We need some old fashioned love in our churches and we preachers need to practice it. So we need leadership. We need love, my friend. And so you remember what Jesus said in John 13? He said, I'm going to give you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And by this, all men shall know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Listen. Oh, if we don't cross, I'm not talking about compromise. I'm talking about if Jesus Christ could love old Judas, knowing all the time he's going to do what he did. And then when Jesus walks up and he said, friend, where'd you come from? If my Savior can love a man like that, you and I ought to be able to love people. So love people. Let's show them we love them. The souls out are going to hell by the multitude. Just need somebody to care for them. I wish I had time to tell you some people we've seen through the RU that's come into our church that's got saved and didn't think anybody cared about them. You love them. You love them. Then let me give you my last point. Now think about we need this. We need leadership. We need love and we need life. And that'll bring life. Life. Now what do you mean by that? Life. Well, listen. Now you think with me right quick. Right quick. I'm almost. I'll be done next hour. You listen. I guess. Think about the day Ahab was living. Think some people say, I believe God's God, and somebody no, I believe Baal's God. That's a mess, wasn't it? It really was. But wait a minute, what helped bring to real life was prayer. When he got up on that mountain and prayed the fire down, and then and then he killed those false prophets. And you know what the people said? The Lord, He's God. Now let me tell you, we got to get back to praying in our churches. Praying. Oh, Dr. Seitler was telling me one day, he said, Brother Bobby, I don't know why they asked me about this. I preached a meeting over yonder as the deadest church I ever seen. And he said, I left there and went over yonder in the country somewhere, some little old church the next week, and said, I pulled up in the yard, and they said, Dr. Seitler, we're glad to have you. We're going out here in the woods to pray. we got to have God tonight. He said, boy, I like that. And God came. It's going to take prayer. Prayer, we would say much about that. But we need to put emphasis on prayer in our churches. Prayer, and we need to pray ourselves. And then preaching. Oh, bless God, just preaching. You remember Ezekiel 37 when uh, the Lord let, let old Ezekiel out there and looked at them dry bones and said, do you believe in live? He said, Lord, you only know. He said, get at it. Can't you see them bones? I know it's nation Israel, but can't you see them old bones and all that wants to begin to move? 
And then you're getting, and all at once here comes a little flesh and little, and then they get to hooking on each other. And then there comes some skin over. Just keep on preaching. That's what I'm trying to say. Listen, you and I can have our one, two, three little uh, outline and all of that. But bless God, unless there's some preaching with God's anointing on it, it won't do any good, my friend. That's what I'm talking about. It pleases God not by foolish preaching, but it pleases God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Oh, John the Baptist came. He didn't come playing a guitar. Bless God, he come preaching, and we need it today. And you know what happened when that crowd, they said, man, what can we do? He said, repent. And they said, by the way, who are you? He said, I'm just a voice. That's what I'm talking about. Preach, preach, my friend. Preach, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, bless God. We got a woman that came, somebody got her to come to our church a while back. And and and, uh, and she came two or three times. She come up and wanted to be saved. She said, I don't know. Since I've been coming here, something got a hold of me. And the woman, the woman had been married. She'd got four kids and she's on drugs. And we sent her to Hammond a while back and got her straightened out. She's got her kids back now. And she sat out there listening to me preach. And she likes preaching, my friend. That's one reason I know I'm saved. My mother used to try to get me to go to church so bad. And I'd make all kinds of excuses. But bless God, on October 24, 1948, God put something down inside that burns. And I like preaching, my friend. That's what I'm talking about. And don't you get away from preaching. You don't have to holler like me. But just preach. Preach the word of God. Dear old lady the other day at the hospital in Winston. I didn't know her. I come out of her room praying and one of my members and I started down the hall and she's standing there and she said, Mister, I heard you praying over there. I guess I was praying loud. So I heard you praying over there. And this is my, uh, this is my first cousin in here. And she, would you come in here and pray for her? I said, yes, ma'am. And the old lady didn't know anything. I had a prayer. And I said, where are you from? What? And she told me about this church about 50 miles from me. And she said, mister, I don't know you, but I like preaching. But she said, we got a new fellow now. And he gets up and makes us a little talk. And I'm so hungry for preaching. God help us. Listen now, young men. You stick in there. You stick in there. You stay in there. That's what I'm talking about. And you stay, and you try to be the under shepherd. And you're not smart when you think you're smart. You're in bad shape. You're not smart. And the older this man can tell you, the older we get as preaching, the dumber I feel like I am. I run up against things that I didn't run up years ago. And brother, if God don't give you what you need, you're in a mess. But I could tell you battle after battle after battle, God has fought. For me, that's what I'm talking about. And you say, I love to go to church. I love preaching. I love people. God give it to me. That's what I'm saying. And you just be the leader and love and get all that good love in your, in your church. I'm not talking about Hollywood love. Bless God. I'm talking about Bible love and keep it alive. And one more thing to keep it alive. Keep, 
Keep the right kind of music. In Psalm, you remember Psalm 5, he said, Don't be drunk with wine, where it says, but be filled with the Spirit. And your next verse singing uh, psalms and spiritual songs and melody in your heart to the Lord. You get that old-fashioned music that moves the heart. My old grandmother, she, she lived to be 95. And brother, somebody get to singing that little old church where I was saved at. About 75 people, they'd get to singing the 99. And he left uh, his and went out charter and got that and I knew grandma was going to come unglued and she'd start here and she'd get back here somewhere and not here <laughs> and in a few minutes you couldn't stop her we don't have that much anymore you don't have to pump it up bless God let God come and when God comes my friend something's going to happen every time thank you God bless Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.